0: Hello, and welcome to Siren Coffee and Science, a series of conversations on hot topics in health and social care integration brought to you by the Social Interventions Research and Evaluation Network at the University of California, San Francisco. Today's episode was originally recorded as a live web event and has been lightly edited for this podcast.
1: Welcome to Siren Coffee and Science. I'm Nessia Berner-Wong, and I'm a Senior Policy Analyst at ChangeLog Solutions. Today's conversation is the fifth of six Coffee and Science events on topics related to alignment and advocacy, which refer to roles that healthcare can play to address social needs at the community level. I'm really excited to talk today with Lauren Poor, who is a Regional Program Manager with the Healthy Food and Healthcare Program at Healthcare Without Harm. So for the next half hour, Lauren and I will talk about the Anchors and Resilient Communities Initiative and how healthcare organizations can partner with community to support sustainable food procurement and employment opportunities that aim to address some of the structural drivers of health inequities. Hi, Lauren. How's it going this morning?
2: Hi, Nessia. I'm
1: doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So I thought we could set the foundation a bit by starting with what is Anchors in Resilient Communities and what are you trying to do and how?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So just to take one step back, just to kind of talk about the co-convening organizations of Anchors in Resilient Communities. I work at Healthcare Without Harm. And for those of you that might not be familiar with Healthcare Without Harm, um, our mission is really to transform healthcare worldwide so that it reduces its environmental footprint and becomes a community anchor for sustainability and a leader in the global movement for environmental health and justice. And we've been doing this work with our healthcare partners for more than 25 years. And we have a network of over 1200 hospitals across the nation. And yeah, I work with the Healthy Food and Healthcare Program. And so we're really focused on, you know sort of harnessing the expertise and purchasing power and investments of the healthcare sector to advance the development of a sustainable food system. So that's where I sit. We've been working with Emerald Cities Collaborative, which is another nonprofit uh, org focused on creating high road, sustainable, just inclusive local economies. And together with our expertise and networks, um, we co-convene Anchors and Resilient Communities also known as ARC, so I'll call it ARC as we as we move forward. Um, and ARC re- really works to address the social, economic, and environmental determinants of health by leveraging the assets and capacities of Bay Area, anchor institutions, and community-based partners. And our focus is really on expanding community wealth and ownership, improving health outcomes and strengthening the capacity of communities of color and low and moderate income residents to be resilient in the face of climate and economic disruptions. And we do this by our core foundational activities that we do is facilitating partnerships and creating co-learning opportunities between anchors, community leaders and other stakeholders. And then we um, mobilize projects that kind of leverage the hiring, purchasing and investment opportunities for community health, community wealth, and and climate resilience, which is our sort of larger vision. And then we use what we learn to scale the model to where it makes sense and and where there's momentum and energy. Some of the things that we've accomplished, just a a few, you know, I think at the core of our accomplishments is really building and maintaining long-term trusting relationships with our community and anchor partners. I can't emphasize that enough. We have a a 20-year logic model, so it goes to that long-term commitment, and that really shows how our activities and what we do gets us to that collective vision that I mentioned with community health, wealth, climate resilience, really through a, a market and institutional transformation pathway. And we're sort of five years in at this point, so we're at a good place of looking at what we've accomplished and sort of where we are hoping to go. Um, And one of the key things that we'll be talking about a little later today um, is, you know, launching our regional food system initiative, uh, which is the first project of the ARC table, which is focused on anchor institutions working to increase their procurement and investments to support that local, sustainable and equitable food system.
1: That is awesome. I'm really excited to get into the regional food system initiative. I do want to hear a bit, as you said, go back a little bit. When you're talking about this aim of having communities that community wealth, health, and climate resistance, how food, and I think we're gonna hear more about the procurement and purchasing piece, how food and procurement came to the center as the primary strategy to address that, that journey and how you arrived at the work that you're doing right now.
2: So ARC really began sort of conversation between the executive directors of Emerald Cities Collaborative and Healthcare Without Harm. And that led to working with the Democracy Collaborative, actually, to do an assessment um, that kind of looked at both the Anchor's collective needs for products, goods, and services, and then the existing capacities and opportunities um, within the communities of the East Bay that could be lifted up and and supported by this effort. So we did 200-plus interviews of both Anchor and community partners And that assessment revealed that the combined East Bay anchor procurement of of hospitals, local government, and universities was $6.8 billion a year. So obviously, the version of even a small fraction of that to the local economy, immediately you see the, the potential for impact there. And in that assessment, a couple key areas of opportunity rose to the top and food was one of the top opportunities. So In the interviews about Anchor commitments and needs and and demands, Kaiser Permanente was one of our partners, and they identified their total health goal to source 100% local and sustainable food system wide by 2025, which is a huge commitment. And that was a key driver because as we were having these conversations with the ARC participants and Kaiser, we learned that their food service vendor called food service partners needed to expand their capacity in order to you know reach that goal and so they came to the table and a commitment was made for them to locate their food production center in the east bay because it could serve as part of this regional food system strategy that we were envisioning and the center has since opened in union city in 2020 against all odds all the things that went on in 2020. And this center really has the capacity to, once it's up fully operational and at capacity, it can source sustainably and locally grown food to produce up to 50,000 fresh meals per day to local institutions, schools, retail clients. And it's a union shop, so they can employ 150 people with high wage jobs. And they've also expressed... Part of their commitment was to employ equity and, and ownership. So that's another key piece. And that's sort of like one component of the food work that was prioritized, sort of larger goals of the regional food system initiative of ARC is to aggregate institutional demand for local and sustainable and equitably grown food products, as well as increasing community owned food business and manufacturing opportunities. Um, And then increasing opportunities for local black and brown producers who have been historically excluded from institutional markets to sell their products to the institutional markets. Those are sort of the larger goals that came out of that initial assessment and then working with our partners and figuring out what was ripe and, and ready. And I would say that, you know, procurement has sort of always been a part of the strategy. There's a huge opportunity there for impact. As well as investment, because it's a combination of the procurement commitments as well as investment to, in, in a broader sense, to these larger goals around community health and and wealth. Yeah, I would say that's sort of how the ARC work was born and how the food project grew from that initial assessment. I I think food is the is the first project of ARC, and uh, you know we could talk about this later, but the people at the table are not all food focused so we're in in the next you know year looking at opportunities for other sectors and and growth there as well it's, it's super
1: exciting and inspiring cuz i think healthcare that harm change lab you know all these public health or healthcare health system oriented organizations have been on this journey of uh, it started with health systems looking at how we can improve the health and nutrition of the folks that come in our building how can we look at what they're eating as if you're crossing with food systems and then really sort of on this journey to understand that there is the food system is super intersectional. You have to look up the food system supply chain and at the values that you're supporting in it. And it's really inspiring to see all of this about a valued work for supporting local economies, undoing a lot of structural harms that have been done to all of these groups to show up in the work that, as you said, some big powerful institutions that have a lot of dollars out there and to use those just to push these levers is really cool and fun to see. It just really, it's fun to hear you talk about it. So I really appreciate and I'm excited about what you're doing. But yeah, let's dig into the people you're working with. You know, in our work with health systems on food system interventions that address sort of these structural drivers of health inequities, we often talk about and work with the trifecta of key stakeholders. You have government, often county and local, your healthcare partners, and then community-based partners. And it sounds like this is the case for you too. And I'd love to hear your perspective on their unique roles and the importance of each of those partners in the work.
2: Just to start with what you were saying about the valued workforce and uh, local economies and sustainability, climate-centered work. The core partnership here of the co-convening organizations is a really important one as well, because Healthcare Without Harm brings the healthcare anchor relationships. And then Emerald Cities Collaborative brings this local economies, community-based organization relationships. And so together, we kind of collectively are able to prioritize all of those values. So that's a key foundation of, of our work together. And then the ARC tables at large really refers to the steering committee and our, and our work groups. And we have a governing structure that includes like 30 or so organizations that uh, healthcare orgs, local and county governments, like you were saying, community-based organizations and community-based anchors like Roots Community Clinic. Uh, We have workforce development partners at the table. And together that makes up the ARC steering committee. And then we have these work groups that are sort of loosely defined based on the, the project that we're working on at the time. And just to sort of zoom in, like you asked about the unique, Roles of each of these stakeholder groups start with healthcare since I'm a healthcare without harm. You know, I think healthcare is huge, their mission aligned to be supporting health. So that's a, a big piece. Mostly on our steering committee, we have community health representatives, you know, their community benefit staff, community engagement specialist type leadership on, on our steering committee. But, you know, in addition to their health goals, they also have strong and evolving sustainability goals, like I mentioned, and equity commitments. And those commitments further deepen their alignment with the ARC table and work. They are figuring out how to combine those commitments and how they work together and and who's working in which direction to meet those commitments. And, you know, these partners, they have like huge political influence They have the procurement and investment power to build and and support stronger, healthier communities, as well as this climate resilience piece, um, which is huge. And and they have a a responsibility to shift the power dynamics and support community-led, equitable change in their communities, which can be defined in, in a lot of ways. That's sort of the healthcare side. And like you were saying, there's... The Healthcare has a lot that they can do internally inside the walls uh, related to food and their value space, purchasing that kind of thing, their menus. There's a lot of strategies they can do internally. And then outside, obviously, the collaborations with community organizations, businesses, their community benefit work. So there's a, a lot of potential there. Uh, we've also got at the table local and county government partners they have connectivity and the the clout to kind of pull together cross-sector projects. So for example, one of our partners on our steering committee um, is Alameda County and we've got um, all in Alameda and they have this big circular food economy plan for the county. And they've been able to mobilize funding and a lot of organizations to implement that circular food economy effort. And so I think the structural organizing capacity uh, there is a big one and bringing together partners and then obviously community based partners have the people power and have the connection to their community members deep roots in understanding you know what is needed to actually support health and wealth and resilience that's the foundation of groups you know that that's the
1: the root Going off of community, obviously, the intent of this work that you're doing is to make change you know, within communities and wanting them to be incorporated in part of the process. How did you engage with and incorporate the priorities of the communities that are targeted by what you're doing in the process and implementation of your work? the The big players are at the table. And I think what we're constantly learning how to do better is have authentic,
2: And good engagement with community. For sure. Everyone is always learning. And I think that, you know, community engagement is an ongoing process in in the beginning with ARC, you know, that sort of initial assessment that I talked about actually, you know, was a helpful tool to engage and identify community partners because they did with the Democracy Collaborative a lot of interviews with community partners, which allowed to kind of understand, okay, what's what where are you at? What are your priorities? This is this effort we're trying to pull together. You know, it kind of just like starts to build relationships and intention, collective intention um, together. So I think that that actually played a key role in who was coming to the table in the beginning. And obviously, Emerald Cities Collaborative had existing deep relationships with community organizations in the Bay Area and trust there. So so that was a big piece as well. Also, I would say this sort of co-learning opportunities, one of our key activities, and starting off with that mindset of we're learning as co-convening organizations, the anchors, partners are, are learning, the community-based partners are learning as well, depending on the topic, who is the expert is is a rotating uh, position, and this kind of gets at that, at the power, trying to balance some of the power to kind of upset a lot of the power imbalances that we often see in collaborations between anchors and community groups. So I think the co-learning piece is important and gets everyone like on a foundation to to be able to work together um, in a way that's a little bit more balanced. And then again, yeah, just shout out to our partners at ECC again because the sustained community engagement, you know, it's been five plus years at this point. so, we have some people at the table that have been there since the beginning. Our partners at ECC really have helped maintain those community-based relationships, just hopping on the phone, you know, just the, just regular engagement, understanding where people are at is so, it's so basic, but it's so somehow gets lost. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's a really key, key piece. And then also, I mean, our steering committee members, like they're committed, coming to the table and always kind of giving us new ideas for who to engage um, and who should be at the table, who's missing, that kind of
1: thing. So to dig into something maybe a little harder, but it's always super helpful. We love hearing about the work that's going well, and it's really helpful to learn about what's hard and challenging in the work. Can you highlight one challenge that you faced and if you've gotten past it, how you addressed it or, or how you're looking at it, if it's something that you're still working through?
2: For sure. Yeah. I'm going to go with the the silo structure. We have been talking about challenges within health systems and challenges working with health systems. And I think that the siloed nature of these bigger institutions comes up a lot. And I think mentioned it earlier, but sort of who's at the table and who's committed to what makes a big difference in what is prioritized and, and done. So we have community health people at the table and we're trying to do a food service initiative that might not be the right structure we need to get connected internally to who's doing what to be able to actually make take take action I think that's something that we've seen and with along with that some of these like big commitments that I was talking about earlier that are being made to big sustainability goals equity goals like a lot of times those don't have the resources like staffing funding et cetera, to actually meet those so i think something we're working on and a challenge there is kind of trying to make those connections internally to make it so that those commitments to equity sustainability you know the the large anger commitments people are making that the the people in internally are communicating to to be able to you know be accountable to those commitments and that might be adding money to budgets uh, shifting things around,
1: that kind of thing. I'm going to throw a question out of you that this just reminded me of, but I think it was sort of top of our mind. A year ago, for all of these groups, healthcare, government, community, uh, we're and still are facing some competition of resources and needs. There's you know, limited funding, increased demand for services, especially for healthcare organizations. At the same time that, that a lot of other parts of the social safety net are increasingly inaccessible, especially on a national level. Do you have any sort of reflections on how that came up in your work and or how you've addressed that and sort of maybe what you see, you know, looking into the future?
2: To just focus in on hospital food, to kind of zoom in from the, the question. Obviously, during COVID-19, the the healthcare sector has seen huge impacts to who's coming in to the hospital, et cetera, just endless. I won't even go down that road because we all all know, but um, it's really laid bare a lot of the inequities in our world. And it's really highlighted the need for these institutions to step up and make big commitments and back those commitments with resources and time and relationships and commitment. We see that, we see that happening and we see our institutional partners sort of grappling with the, the intersection of all of these pieces of the puzzle that are making our world sick. And I think it's inspiring to see. I think that I, you know, just the conversations I have with, with our healthcare partners, the work is is happening and it's one step at a time, but I I, I am inspired to hear just even people's language and how they're working through um, talking about some of the bigger issues that are sort of foundational to to the inequities in our society. So I I, I would say I'm hopeful.
1: And it's been a really terrible time and a really Interesting time in that this sort of political window of doing things that people thought weren't possible, but were actually just, a, you know, a little, there were like maybe some faux political barriers, but this, this is sort of like a political window of opportunity that people are like, there's great need and we're going to do the hard things and have the hard conversations to make that happen. So it's been totally exciting. Okay, I do want you to be able to talk about what we need in research or what, what needs to change, what can individual healthcare professionals and researchers do to support this work. So if you can give a couple sentences on institutional and community partners and any challenges to successes around power sharing, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah, I think power sharing, coming to the table, recognizing where your power is historically and today is a really key and sort of fundamental step, not expecting that you're going to be the center of everything I think is really important as an institution, an organization, and an individual, and sort of doing, doing the work yourself to understand where you and your organization lie in the power structures that exist can allow some humility to bring people to the table um, in a way that
1: that is inviting and welcoming. That's great. And then yeah, what's what what can folks do? What's next for healthcare professionals, as individuals, researchers? Just to get
2: to the, you know, racial equity piece. I think what can individuals do advocating for racial equity internally at your organizations. The work to dismantle white supremacy culture cannot be understated. It's foundational to making the changes that we seek for the health of the people and the planet. So I would say doing whatever you can from wherever you are to get that learning happening and sort of dismantling the structures that we're, we're within is is an essential, what can we do? I think on the research side, a lot of healthcare institutions are now you know, managing program-related investment practices. And I think more needs to be understood about how public-private partnerships and creative financing strategies can really help to kind of lead to increased community ownership of businesses. And kind of these larger vision goals that we've been talking about today. So I think more research there would be would be really helpful.
1: Awesome. Well, folks, folks have their marching orders. Yes. <laughs> um, well, Lauren, it's been a pleasure. That is all we have time for today. We could talk for a long time, I'm sure. Yes. But I just want to express a lot of gratitude to you for your insights, and thank everyone for attending. The next and final Coffee and Science is in two weeks on November 19th, and will feature a conversation between Dr. Damon Francis from Health Lead and Dr. Noha Abulata from the Roots Community Health Center on Roots' unique social enterprise. We also want to announce that Siren will host a fully interactive Coffee and Science after party on December 3rd, so keep an eye on your email for a special Zoom invitation, and we hope you'll join us then. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Siren Coffee and Science series, a project of the Social Interventions Research and Evaluation Network at UCSF. Raven Forest Communications does our editing and sound design. Susan Shepard designed our cover art, and Aurélien Joukla composed our music. Laura Gottlieb, Dylan Gonzalez, and Yuri Cartier, that's me, produced the podcast and the live event series. Join us for our next live event by visiting sirenetwork.ucsf.edu questions or comments, email us at siren at ucsf.edu. And lastly, let it be known that the views and opinions of the participants on this podcast do not necessarily state or reflect those of the Regents of the University of California, UCSF, UCSF Medical Center, or any entities or units thereof. Take care.